The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. Yes, it can seem rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, and it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of your inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. Here on The Christine Uptrich Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Are you ready to step into your vibration of change? Welcome to The Christine Uptrich Show here on 1150 AM KKNW here in the Seattle area and on Transformation Talk Radio around the world. If you're listening live, you might be listening from anywhere around the world. If you're listening after the fact, again, you could be listening from anywhere. I know that on the Christine Uptrich um, show archives on ChristineUptrich.com, we have had people accessing the archives from 110, 115 different countries. So we have an international crowd, but whenever and where, wherever you're joining us from here today, we're grateful you're here. And... Um, I wanted to say hello to the, the man who's the, the technological wizard or Merlin, Tech Merlin, Merlin oh, Mer- Tech. That's right. <laughs> I think James von Prague was calling you Merlin last week, right? That's perfect. And then I jumped in my head, uh, what was the old Mickey Mouse uh, tel- uh, movie? It was like a, remember oh, that from back in the day? I remember. The brooms and all that? I remember him wearing that hat, the Merlin hat. What That's all I that, remember. Though? I don't know. I'm just know. drawing up. Oh, my gosh, Benny, you should know this. <laughs> I'm getting on myself for not knowing that, but... That's what it reminded me of, is him walking around and being a little bit chaotic, but yet still controlling mostly everything. That's right. That's right. I'm looking it's funny. Up. I wasn't one who was very into cartoons. It's strange because I, I was confused about all the violence in cartoons. You know, like like one character taking another character, you know, taking a, a pan and squishing the character until they're a flat pancake. And like, right. I thought it was awful, you know? <laughs> Acme, you know, yes. like the Roadrunner and Coyote. It was Fantasia. I, I can't believe I don't oh, remember that, right. you know, and yes. he wore the sorcerer's hat. Right. And um, it was fabulous music yeah. in Fantasia. And that's what that. was crazy. That's what kind of it started out to become. And then, you know, then Disney went a different direction with all the other stuff. But right. Bambi was still a little bit kind of like edgy. I know. Oh, oh tragic. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, yeah. <laughs> no spoilers here. Yes. And it's funny because um, I was always a very sensitive child. It's like yeah. if I saw somebody kill a bug, it you know I, I thought that was a terrible thing to do. And in fact, today when I was driving into the studio, there was a strange looking insect on my windshield that I think must have gotten on it in my garage, right? And I'm driving along thinking by the time I get under the freeway, this guy is going to be toast. So I actually pulled over. I got oh. a, a napkin out. I like, and I put it into Shoo, some grass. Get out of here. Shoo, get off my window. Go yeah. find another home. Yeah, it's like I really didn't want to watch this little thing die. You have any idea what it looked like? I mean, descript- oh. description wise. Um, like, it looked like a little arrow type thing because those little potato bug type things are kind of starting to float around a little bit. They look yeah. like little beetleish. It, it's sort of beetleish, but like a little bit clearish. I don't know. It was Whoa. it was odd looking. Clearish. Well, yeah, it was kind of white, kind of little little translucent. It was bizarre. You know, I I wouldn't want one crawling on me, mind yeah. you. But next week on the Bug Show, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we dissect into. Oh. No, we're not going to do any dissection on the air. Yeah. Well, you know, um, this is live radio, mm-hmm. and uh, everybody knows that we are 
We've got a, a, a wonderful guest scheduled for today. And so far, we've been unable to connect with our guest. We're tracking him down yes, currently. Yes, we are. We so are. may I run in the other room and keep yes, at it? Yes, please. All right. And, you know, I'm going to start talking about something that is near and dear to my heart right cool. now. Um, yeah. So thank you, Benny, for doing your thing. Yep, and, and I'll be uh, back in a few minutes. Just keep looking at me from the other okay, room. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll flag yeah, you yeah, down yeah. if we run out of conversation. Th- that's of how course, it works today, folks. I, I've been told many times that um, I, I rarely run out of things to say. And in fact, um, if I get up on stage to teach, you know, people have a hard time getting me down because I do have a few things to say. And one of the things that I've been thinking about recently is something that I think is very important. Okay, now I'm, I'm looking at the political situation here in the United States. I don't recognize the state of our country for a variety of reasons, but I'm not going to get into the politics of it. What I'm going to do is take a little flashback to the early 1970s. This is when we were involved, the U.S. was involved with the, um, with the Vietnam War. It's at a time when um, there, the young people were starting to look at the status quo and say, whoa, there's something wrong here. I didn't buy into this sort of thing. Um, our, our parents and um, the powers that be seem to be so materialistic, and they, they are hiding information about the war. Um, there was great upheaval within the context of our, our country. And, and so, interestingly enough, after the Vietnam War, people started to shift their perspective about spirituality. There were many people who had been sort of in, in the religious perspective, the, just the, the myopic aspect of it, that like that's all there was. And people started to sort of break the sides of that box open and see that there could be other aspects of spirituality. People started getting intrigued by some of the Eastern philosophy, this concept of reincarnation, this concept of um, needing to connect to something fuller, but it didn't have to be called God per se. It could be called goddess. It could be called universal intelligence. Um, anyway, it was the birth of the New Age movement. And over the last wow, 25 years, 35 years, um, we have shifted dramatically and now it's very common to talk about things such as reincarnation, to be doing something like yoga or meditating. And this concept of spirituality has actually kind of um, had this intersection with science. And we've come a long way in our conscious exploration. And I always think of it as psycho-spiritual because I think there's a psychological piece of it as well. But we have developed And here we are, coming back into present moment, where a lot of us have done tons of inner work. We meditate. We look at the higher purpose, the higher good. And we're looking within and we're looking without, and it doesn't seem to match. People doing our our sort of conscious exploration, our, our conscious intention to create a wonderful world, and we are in great upheaval. Now, some would say it's because we've got a lot of light on this planet. It's like walking into a kitchen, and it happens to be roach-infested, but when the lights are on, you don't notice it. But if you walk in there, and it's dark, and you flip on the switch, all of a sudden you see that there are cockroaches all around. 
Sorry, that's a gross analogy. I once stayed in a house in Washington, D.C. You and bugs today. What's up with you I know. and bugs? <laughs> I once stayed in a house in Washington, D.C. that hadn't been lived in for a, a couple of months. And the person who had been there before left some food out. So it was like, it was not, it was not pleasant. So that's the, that's the image that comes to mind. But the light illuminates what was being hidden in that darkness. And so we're, we're in this moment of transformation. And we're, some of us are feeling like, is, you know, what else can we do? And I really do think that we're at a moment where we're having to rethink this notion of the all sweetness and light spirituality. I think of it as sort of like the, the cotton candy version of spirituality that we have been um, kind of embracing. Many have been embracing for quite a while. Um, and it's almost like if you live on a diet of cotton candy, I mean, it might taste good occasionally, but you certainly won't feel sustained on cotton candy. In fact, eventually you'll feel a little sickly, like something's out of balance. So at this point in our evolution, I think that we're hitting the wall in certain ways because it's time for us to emerge into a new, new age. It is time for us to start embracing the full meal deal of spirituality. And that means that it's not just about our connection in the meditation room. It's not just about the positive feelings and the positive intentions and the positive thinking. It's about embracing what is, being honest with what is, being present in the moment and allowing and embracing all of who we are. And that includes the dense aspects of of our humanity from the physicality that we're living in these bodies to the darkness that expresses itself, not only in, in our little ways, perhaps, sometimes big ways within ourselves, but the, the darkness that we're seeing illuminated right now. And I think that the only way that we can start to transform into positive energy is to understand and be present with that darkness and what's getting illuminated within that darkness and it's not just about working on ourselves. It's also about taking action in positive ways in the world and not ignoring the negativity. That doesn't mean it has to rule us. But I think that sometimes we feel really, really stuck if we're just like on that cotton candy version. So I'm here to say I think that we're at the precipice the possibility of a new, new age where it's the full meal deal, where it's embracing all that is and making conscious choices as we integrate that higher frequency, sweetness and light into the energy of all that we are and all that we do. We're going to go to a quick break, but when we come back, Stay tuned for more. We have no idea if our guest is going to show up or not, but I've always got things to say, and I want to hear from you, too. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? 
and it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Do you sometimes feel overwhelmed by your mind? Powerless when it seems to spin in worry circles or bombard you with self-critical thoughts? Do you want to learn how to master your mind and feel more in control of your life? Listen to Dr. Friedman's Empowerment Radio, Shift from confusion to clarity, self-doubt to confidence, and from anxiety to peace and balance. Dr. Friedman and his many guest experts share the insights and tools you want to live with greater ease, joy, and purpose. Tune in to Empowerment Radio every first and third Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. For centuries, spiritual traditions have talked about how humans have an energy field, or aura, surrounding them. Although skeptical scientists refuted this for decades, science is now beginning to catch up with spirituality. Scientists can actually measure light emanating from living beings, so they can measure the human aura, which in scientific terms is known as the biofield. Many medical practitioners around the world use an instrument to evaluate a patient's biofield for the purpose of diagnosing illness. They understand that imbalanced or insufficient light in a person's energy field indicates a physical or emotional problem. The good news? There are ways to balance and increase your light, resulting in greater well-being. For more information, please check out StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. How many times do you find yourself saying, it was nothing? Next time someone tells you, great job, you'll know how to accept it and not deflect it by listening to Courage to be Seen Radio with host Sherry Clark. Sherry Clark is an experienced global engineering leader, coach, and mentor. From her experiences one-on-one coaching to corporate consulting and executive coaching, Sherry has learned many women need at least three things to discover and face success. Learn about the ACES program, how to survive male-dominated fields with grace and authenticity, and reach the top without ever once giving up on who you are. Courage to be Seen host Sherry Clark explores the awesome power of your entire self. Check out her website, CourageToBeSeen.com, and listen to the first Tuesday of the month at 11 a.m. Pacific with host Sherry Clark. You have the courage to be seen. See you later. Welcome back to the Christine Epture Show here on KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio. That was the wonderful Michael Tomlinson. He's been on the show before. He is an amazing musician, and um, he also offers, I think, some meditation retreats as well. Cool dude from the Seattle area. Yeah, and- you had a pretty good connection with your little interview <laughs> with him, I still remember. Yeah, no, it, it was good. Yeah, it yeah was good. you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great interview. If you guys want to check it out, Yes, it's on the archives, and um, also, if you're interested in in purchasing some of his music or checking it out and learning about his concerts, go to michaeltomlinson.com. You know, um, so far, we have been unable to reach Evan Alexander, and so I'm going to try something different here. You know, for those of you who don't know what I've offered over the years, because it's no longer 
um, included on my website. I I used to do Akashic, well, I do Akashic Record readings. I'm not offering them professionally these days, but I did do intuitive readings, Akashic Record readings, and I'm thinking that it might be fun to pull some cards today. So I'm going to pull some cards for all of us. And Benny, um, I, why don't you give us give give the our audience the numbers they could call, so that if they wanted me to pull a card for them and do an intuitive reading, I'm game. All right, sounds good. The number here is eight hundred nine three zero two eight one nine eight hundred nine three zero two eight one nine. We'll get to the phone lines as quickly as we can. Uh, that's pretty much what we're going to do. Yeah. You know, um, my favorite, my very favorite deck of cards is one of Colette Baron Reed's decks. Um, the Wisdom of the Oracles. And first of all, she, I've, I've taken her courses. She's amazing. She does online courses that are fabulous. And she's spunky and she's thorough. And I'm going to pull a two-card reading about where we're at right now. And, you know, I was just talking about sort of where we're at in the United States, where we're at sort of in the world, where we're at on our evolutionary course. And then I'm going to pull one about um, where we are going. So let's see. Okay, that one's for now. I'm, I'm choosing a card, and that one's where we're going. Okay, so where we're at now. <laughs> I love this. Come to the edge. Didn't I talk about being at a precipice? Oh, I'm getting chills in my crown chakra. Chills in my crown chakra. It means we need to have courage, taking that leap of faith, overcoming fear, and accepting risk. So we're at a place right now where we are kind of on that edge. And we do need to have the courage to take that outward step or steps to shift our world. Um, when, um, when we've got that faith, too, that perhaps... Perhaps this is all this, this crazy chaos, this negativity is about our positive journey, collective journey. Then we can overcome the fear associated with it and take that risk. I know that I'm going to read what the Oracle message is here. It says, facing the unknown is the only choice you really have right now if you want to progress. It's okay to be afraid. Now is the time to take a risk that is not calculated, to feel the exhilaration as you ready yourself for a leap of faith. Spirit is present, so let go of fear. You are called to express your true self. Listen to your heart and soul, not your head. Come to the edge and discover that you can fly. You must step into the unfamiliar so that you may find your miracles. And since I pulled this for the collective, I really do believe that... Um, we are about to fly into our miracle space. And it doesn't look like that sometimes. I know it can be um, very, very difficult to face the negativity. But there is purpose here. Okay, so that was the card about where we're at now. What's possible next? Mm. This is Chop Wood the name of her card. Um, and the essential meaning is it's being grounded in everyday experience and humility. 
I really do believe that being grounded in everyday experience is about integrating all of who we are into our human form. I think oftentimes what happens is we compartmentalize our spiritual nature. We, you know, in the meditation room, at the spiritual gathering, um, and really it's our, our next stage of evolution is about integrating on a moment-to-moment basis. And part of that is mindfulness. And I know that, that we've had many people on the show talking about mindfulness. It's about being aware and accepting and allowing and observing where we're at and what's going on. But it's that, that next step is to be what I call spiritually deliberate, which means tapping into that connection on a moment-to-moment basis and saying, okay, what's next? What do I choose here in this moment, standing in the grocery store line? Do I speak to that person? Do I just hold where I'm at, that, 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 that positive energy, so that it radiates to others? Do I allow myself to be vulnerable when I'm feeling a little bit upset or annoyed and let some little kid or some elderly person in front of us be kind to us and allow that in. So it really is about that moment-to-moment choice. Benny's making some signals over there. Are yeah, you come on, our other producer, we've tracked him down. We have. So we can finish up with that real fast, and then okay. we'll go to Dr. Alexander. Okay. okay. What we're going to do is we're going to go to an early break. Ooh, we can do that, too. Okay. But anyway, I, I, I just want to reiterate okay. what this card reading sure. is about. Mm-hmm. It's about um, having the courage to come to that edge to, to break through that fear and step into the unknown and, and trust that there is going to be beauty and wisdom and a shift in not only our perspective, but our reality. And part of that next step after we walk through that fear and step into the next stage of evolution is to integrate it in our everyday lives. Stay tuned. We're really going to have Dr. Eben Alexander here in just a few moments. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. Years ago, when facing cancer, without any immediate treatment options, I sought healing by making various life changes. For a while, I followed a very restrictive diet. I often found myself obsessing about which foods were good and which ones were bad. Then one day, I realized I was consuming foods based on fear, fear of not getting well. But I didn't want to make choices out of fear anymore. I decided it was far better for my immune system if I allowed myself to experience the joy that came from, say, eating frozen yogurt, than it was for me to ingest the fear that came from avoiding it. Now, instead of choosing healthy habits based on fear, I try to make choices because they feel right and ultimately bring me joy and ease. How many of your healthy habits are really based on fear? Please visit StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. Calling all moms, it's time to awaken your vibrant, intuitive, loving self in every area of your life. Join host Debbie Pokornik as she shares thoughts, stories, and tools to help you stand in your power. Listen to Vibrant Powerful Moms Helping Everyday Women Create Extraordinary Lives, Mondays at 2.30 Pacific, 5.30 Eastern. For more information about Debbie, visit empoweringenergy.com. That's empowering with letters N-R-G dot com. Right now, ask yourself, 
How far are you from your dream? Are you closer today than yesterday? Entrepreneur and personal coach Deborah Rothschild brings the wit and wisdom to transform you into a new dynamic you. Tune in to the Deborah Rothschild Show, developing a dynamic you. To learn more about Deborah, visit thedebrashow.com. That's the D-E-B-R-A show.com. Tune in live every Wednesday, 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on transformationtalkradio.com. Is traditional medicine not working for you? Do you still feel as if your health isn't 100%? Here at the Holistic Medical Center, Dr. Nushin Darvish and the qualified staff look through the dimensions of wellness and start a healing plan prioritized to your needs. Our physicians assess the whole you until complete health is achieved. Get the help you need by visiting drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance. From the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On the Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Welcome back to the Christine Eptrich Show here on 1150 AM KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio around the world. I'm so grateful we have our guest here, Dr. Eben Alexander, and I'm sure you've heard of him, but I'm going to go through a little bit of his bio anyway. You know, he is an author who has been number one in New York Times bestseller list. In fact, he's been on the New York Times bestseller list for years. Um, he is a neurosurgeon, and he spent decades as a physician, as a teacher at Harvard Medical School, as well as other places. And he had an interesting experience where he had a near-death experience, which he's going to talk about. And it gave him this very different perspective on reality, the nature of the soul, and he's begun to explore what this means about consciousness. Um, he, he had this NDE, the near-death experience, back in 2008, and he's shared his amazing experiences um, as a pioneering scientist and as a thought leader in consciousness studies. He's been on Oprah, Dr. Oz, um, and he's got a recent book out. It's called Living in a Mindful Universe, a Neurosurgeon's Journey into the Heart of Consciousness. He wrote it with Karen Newell. And I'd like to welcome our guest today. Uh, late, but <laughs> but we're so grateful you're here, Dr. Eben Alexander. Well, better late than never, Absolutely. and I'm grateful too. <laughs> you know, I trust in the perfection of the universe even when we, when we have to scramble a little bit. So um, as Benny and I talked about on the break, we're going to skip this next break, and so we're going to fit in as much as possible. You know, I'm always fascinated, Evan, by people who have that very rational part of their brain, but they're very open to 
what many consider to be spirituality, um, alternative um, reality. So can you share with our listeners just a little bit about your experience and how it shifted you? Well, it it basically shifted everything. I had spent the first 54 years of my life honing a very conventional scientific worldview, uh, working at Harvard Medical School, teaching neurosurgery, thinking I understood brain-mind consciousness. And then November 2008, uh, I was very suddenly driven into deep coma due to a severe gram-negative bacterial meningitis. That's about the worst kind of meningitis you can have. And, 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 and it's really a meningitis, gift. Okay, meningitis, for everybody who's listening, it's an inflammation of, of the brain lining, is that right? Yeah, of the, of the lining of the brain. But in my case, it was also a meningoencephalitis, which means that my brain was also badly infected. Uh, in fact, I had full thickness damage to my neocortex, according to the scan. So this was okay. a very severe case. And um, important to point out that uh, there is now a case report on my medical record that came out September of 2018 in the Journal of Nervous and Mental Diseases, and it actually goes a lot further. Uh, this was written by three uh, doctors who were not involved in my care but were fascinated with the extraordinary recovery that I benefited from. And so all the medical details are right there, and anybody who wants that a case report can go to ebonalexander.com, go to my blog postings, and then go to September of 2018, and you'll find a full description of it. Plus, in the fourth paragraph, there's a link to the direct uh, case report itself. So that, that uh, offers validity is, about your experience. Of, well, it not only validates it, but it's even more shocking than the details I presented in Proof of Heaven. And, okay. in fact, the doctors who wrote that case report uh, had difficulty getting it published because uh, the peer reviewers didn't believe anybody could really survive that meningitis uh -huh. and, and recover fully as I did. Right. Um, and that was a big shock. But in fact, in a peer-reviewed medical journal, what these physicians postulated, and this is based on knowledge they had of other uh, miraculous healing in the case of near-death experiences, they postulated that the spiritual content of my journey contributed to this uh, recovery that really has no explanation in Western medicine. Okay, so, so it was very confirmatory of my story told in Proof of Heaven. So you talk about your spiritual experience. Could you give us just a summary of, of yes, what that experience was? I would love to. It all started in a very primitive uh, realm. The earthworm's eye view is what I called it. Hmm. Now, important to point out, one of the atypical features of my near-death experience is that I was amnesic, that I had no memory of Evan Alexander's life. None of my religious concepts, my scientific knowledge, none of my personal memories, none of it existed in the depths of my coma journey. Uh -huh. So I really had an empty slate, and I think that was, that was a crucial part of it all. Now, when I came back to this world on the seventh day of coma, um, you know, I only knew where I'd been. I had no idea who my the loved ones at the bedside were, my mother, my sisters, sons. Uh, I didn't know who they were. I mean, that's how extraordinary this amnesia was. But my memories came back very rapidly. Literally within two months, everything was back. Mm -hmm. But I want to share with you the, the parts I did know when I woke up in that ICU bed. And it's the memory of what had happened uh, in those spiritual realms over that week. 
beginning in that coarse primitive earthworm's eye view, which seemed to go forever because I had no memory of time flow, but it didn't. I was rescued by this slowly spinning white light that came with a perfect musical melody attached to it. And mm. that white light served as a portal up into this rich, ultra-real gateway valley that was far more real than anything I had ever experienced in this realm. Um, and in that gateway valley were many Earth-like features. For example, I was a speck of awareness on a butterfly wing, and there was lush life everywhere and lots of flowers, blossoms, floats on trees. And there were thousands of, of beings down below dancing in this meadow. Mm. And I, I basically, in my writings, when I came back to this world and was trying to record it all before it, I thought it would vanish from memory, although it's the sharpest memory I've ever had, and it's still there rock solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Um, I talked about uh, these, uh, call them souls between lives that were dancing in this meadow, and uh, there were tremendous lessons. Of course, I go through a lot of that in the book Proof of Heaven mm-hmm. and in the follow-up book The Map of Heaven and then expand on it tremendously in the current book Living in a Mindful Universe. But from that realm, um, there was a beautiful girl on the butterfly wing with me, and she turned out to be crucial to my understanding of it many months later. Uh, was her identity, and I don't want to spoil that for people who haven't read the book, Uh but her identity was absolutely crucial. Um, And then, in fact, though, that uh, Gateway Valley was just a stepping stone to further and further realms, and I could witness all of space and time collapsing down, and then a, a whole different ordering of time, which I call deep time, which has more to do with kind of the progression of the evolution of consciousness, the, uh, you know, growth of souls uh, through multiple incarnations, that kind of thing. But uh, all the way out to the core, to the infinite inky blackness that was filled to overflowing with the uh, uh, divine love of that realm, of that God force, you know, the same uh, infinitely loving force that so many from all different beliefs and uh, continents and millennia have witnessed over thousands of years. And I think that's one of the most important things for people to understand is, in fact, these journeys have tremendous similarities and suggest a kind of a, a one realm or one set of realms that we all share. But I think the biggest message of all this, and this is something that certainly involves uh, resolving the mysteries of quantum physics and understanding the brain-mind relationship and coming up with all the evidence for non-local consciousness, I think the big lesson here for all of us is the brain does not create consciousness. It's the Mm -hmm. biggest myth, uh, the biggest smoke and mirrors trick of materialist science is this notion that the brain is creating consciousness okay, as so, opposed to realizing it's just a filter. So, uh, okay, what, what informs you about your experience, um, both your medical experience and your experience on the other side, so to speak, that tells you that consciousness is not created in the brain? Well, I would say it's everything. I mean, my case is a perfect example. If you read the case report, you'll see how they go through it there, that the damage to my neocortex from that severe bacterial meningoencephalitis was far too severe to allow for anything but the most rudimentary forms of primitive consciousness. And yet the exact opposite is what I experienced, an extraordinary uh, expansion of my conscious awareness and relationship with the universe. Now, I will point out to you that um, in our book, Living in a Mindful Universe, as well as in this case report that I talk about, we discuss a lot of the scientific evidence in the current era 
uh, specifically from uh, functional MRI and magnetoencephalography assessment of people who are under the influence of powerful psychedelic drugs. And mm -hmm. the big shocker to the scientific community is a universal finding in these studies is that the brain becomes much less active uh, on these drugs. In fact, uh, the brain goes dark, and it is really a shocker. For those who believe that uh, the brain creates consciousness, this is a complete uh, counterfactual that says absolutely not. The brain is a filter that uh, we really are conscious in spite of our brain. So it and could be that the brain and our, and our thinking process could be getting in the way of having a conscious experience. Well, what I would say is our, uh, our kind of materialistic thinking and our linguistic um, brain, and that's the, the part of us that is also that running stream of thoughts in our head, the voice of our ego, uh -huh. um, the problem is thinking that is consciousness. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's not. The deep mystery of consciousness, whether you're talking about uh, you know, the mystery of the measurement paradox in quantum physics, which very specifically elucidates the primary role of consciousness, consciousness in the universe, or whether you're talking about what's called the hard problem of consciousness, which is the impossibility of explaining the workings of the physical, or using the physical workings of the brain to explain all of mental processes. And it becomes especially difficult when you realize all the evidence for non-local consciousness, that is, for things like telepathy and uh, remote viewing and out-of-body experiences, um, and even go so far as to uh, see the correlations of near-death and shared-death experiences. Shared-death are the very same quality, but they happen in people who are perfectly healthy in participating in the uh, uh, departure of a soul from a living body. Uh, so, but also so, all the wait, evidence... Wait, wait, wait. So, so give us a little example of that, because that, that's something that, that um, I think many have not heard of before. I'm sorry, of which? Of uh, shared of death? the shared death experience. Oh, yes. yeah. The, um, well, they're astonishing. I've, I mean, I have a, a friend I met um, at one of these meetings who, uh, who basically had, had a fiancé, and the fiancé and a son of the fiancé were in a terrible motor vehicle accident that killed the child outright, mm. and the fiancé was horribly damaged and, and ready to die. Uh, and this, uh, this friend at the bedside with other loved ones, you know, sharing the, the distress of losing this uh, fiancé, mm -hmm. uh, all of a sudden he witnessed uh, the, the room altering the ceiling, the floor, the walls, in came light beings, you know, from the spiritual dimension to escort the soul of, of the fiancé over, and his soul went along on the journey, wow. even to the point of seeing the soul of the son who had passed over, reuniting with the mother, um, and, and then the other souls in the soul group, and, and witnessing the life review um, of that departing soul, going through the most important issues of their life that still had residual soul lessons. Uh, and, then, and then he came back to this world. And it's shocking what, you know, the shared death experiencer comes back realizing that our souls do not end with the death of the physical body. It's really uh, an amazing um, set of circumstances. But I've met a number of people who've had shared death experiences. So I know that there are some scientists out there who say that these near-death experiences are basically, you know, some, something that happens in the brain as the brain is dying. What do you say to that? Well, I'd say it's not, it's just not true. There's, <laughs> there's just a tremendous amount. We just need a much bigger 
model of consciousness. And uh, for example, an interesting thing that happens in near-death experiences is often uh, people, uh, you know, being offered a chance to come back or not, and often they their own uh, decision is not to come back, uh, and yet they end up coming back to take care of others for children mm-hmm. or what have you. Right. Um, but the uh, you know the whole idea that it's just a vast hallucination and all is not borne out by the data. The statistics show so many similarities. Uh, the very fact that people encounter souls of departed loved ones who they might not know at the time of their NDE that that person has already died. Uh And they only find out later that the reason they saw them in uh, that vision of the near-death experience is because they'd already passed over and gone to the other side. Uh, I I have a humorous story about that from a, a woman who was having a minimal procedure that should have been easy, 15-minute with anesthesia, uh-huh. and yet she had some complications from it and spent four days in coma. Oh, when she came back to this world, she was talking to her friends about it. She said, oh, wow, it was really strange. And believe it or not, the, the person I saw over there was Ralph. And it turns out that Ralph was a person who worked in the office who was always very morose and, and never had a smile. Uh-huh. And she said the odd thing was Ralph over there was smiling. Uh-huh. And that's when her colleagues told her, well, we haven't told you yet, but Ralph died the same day you went into coma. Oh, wow. So, I mean, and it ha- that, those kind of stories come out by the thousands uh-huh. when you study this stuff yeah. of people seeing someone who they didn't even know had passed over, and then they find out later that the very reason they could see them in that afterlife vision was because they had died. Uh-huh. So if consciousness does not originate in the brain, that's just the brain is a filter for it, um, how do we tap into something more and expand our consciousness? Well, uh, meditation is uh, a tremendous gift. It's something that I first realized within about two years of my own coma, that if I wanted to come to any deeper understanding of all this, and uh, in addition to all the scientific study I could muster, I had to explore my own consciousness. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is really the key, is going within. Uh, My life partner and co-author of the book Living in a Mindful Universe, uh, Karen Newell, is the founder of Sacred Acoustics. And people who want some powerful meditation tools should go to sacredacoustics.com. And the tool I'm talking about is the use of of very sophisticated differential frequency sound to use for brain entrainment. And that differential frequency sound is very powerful because it's processed in the lower brainstem in a circuit that arose more than 300 million years ago, as opposed to most of the sounds we've ever heard, and that includes uh, sounds that might have induced transcendental states of consciousness or spirituality, like chants, anthems, or hymns. Mm-hmm. Um, those are all processed in the neocortex, in areas that evolved in the last basically 1 to 10 million years. And the circuit that we're going after with sacred acoustics and uh, what's loosely termed binaural beats, but sacred acoustics is by far the most sophisticated form of that I've encountered, um, and uh, it, they influence the lower brainstem. And I think in, by activating a circuit uh, you know, that really evolved more than 300 million years ago, in my mind, that's how we're getting such a powerful effect uh, at addressing consciousness and setting consciousness free. Mm. So you've, you've got some great examples in your book of, of experiences with that. Can you share one of them on air? Well, I think one of those profound is my own personal experience of 
You know, the, one of the big mysteries to me that I reported in Proof of Heaven um, was the fact that my father was not there. He, he was a neurosurgeon. He was a globally renowned neurosurgeon, a very influential figure in my life. He had passed over four years before my coma, and uh, I was very shocked. I'd never read the near-death literature before, mm -hmm. but after my coma, yes, I did dive into it. Sure. And I was shocked to realize that that, you know, that guardian angel, that figure who was my guide uh, during my experience should have been someone well-known to me in life, very important to me. And yet it was this woman who I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And where in the world was my father? And these were very deep mysteries to me in trying to sort it all out and understand it. Mm -hmm. And I tell that whole story in Living in Mindful Universe, so I won't tell it all here, uh, but I will uh, cut to the chase and just say at a meditation that I was doing using these kind of sacred acoustics uh, tones to get into a very deep state of conscious, uh, transcendental conscious awareness, uh, just a few years after my coma, I had a profound experience where I encountered the soul of not only my father, but of his college roommate. Uh, oh. What you find is the universe has a way of presenting us with uh, certain pieces of information that come packaged with a big message like that. And the presence of the roommate was the important thing. It was only by uh, digging deep over weeks and weeks through email contacts uh, with various people that I uncovered why that appearance of that roommate in that vision of my father was absolutely so crucial. And it proved to me the reality of the encounter. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I, I think uh, it's important for all of us to start exploring consciousness. We're so used to this idea that we think our ways to the right answer. And that little uh -huh. voice in our head, you know, the voice of our ego, happens to also be the voice of rational, logical reasoning. That's how we communicate big ideas to other human beings. But that doesn't mean that our language is necessarily a good pathway to getting very deep into these profound truths that the universe can offer to us. And that's why I believe that going within uh, is so crucial in meditation or centering prayer, whatever your form of connecting to the universe and putting that little voice in our head into time out, mm. because it is not going to lead us to some of these very deep truths, but the universe will show us the way. So, Eben, when you're going about your daily life, when you're not in meditation, when you're not using the sound acoustics, is that what you called it? The sacred acoustics. Sacred acoustics, sorry. How do you know when some information you're getting is your brain ego-based, or if it's if your brain is sort of receiving information that comes from more the consciousness realm? Well, I, I think it really is a, the whole process of discernment, of learning to uh, kind of understand what are the pieces of information that we can believe. A lot of it has to do with the sense of reality, uh, of kind of heightened reality, but even more important is kind of the content. And this is why it's so important uh, to keep a journal and kind of keep track of all the things that you witness in these kind of meditations is because the universe will give us the right pieces of data to kind of connect it all, but it doesn't come in the nice little linear packaged form that we're used to in a, say, in a story narrative or something like that. So it does involve opening our minds more and paying more attention to some of the subtle aspects of information. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I would say that uh, 
Uh, I would I would steer people to Karen's website, to sacredacoustics.com, where she has some free videos that that uh, teach people a lot of the clues for how to do this through meditation. And she uh, there also mentions very specifically uh, the art of discernment mm-hmm. uh, and how to uh, better uh, kind of determine uh, how to you know, take these messages from the universe and order them in a way that we can uh, begin to glean the, the big information that they're trying to give us. Mm. So from my perspective, and I was talking about this in the, in the first segment, I think that our next stage of evolution is to basically integrate our consciousness and acting upon that consciousness um, on a moment-to-moment basis. Do you well, think that I, that's I think possible? That's very- I think that's very much the case. Now, um, you were asking me moments ago about kind of in my daily waking life as Uh opposed to being in deep meditation. And I find that I am still in the process of of kind of growing my intuition and my my sense of uh, kind of the validity of of information. And it's all through kind of a heartfelt process of... uh, of coming to know myself, really, and my mm. relationship with the universe. And in doing that, uh, especially when I do it with a prolonged practice of meditation, and I try and use sacred acoustics for meditation an hour to a day. I've been doing that for more than nine years now. Wow. Uh, but in many ways, they're kind of like training wheels. And it gets to a point where I believe that um, one's overall kind of connection to the universe and your sense of kind of heart resonance, your sense of of uh, kind of truth and validity of various interactions with people in this world, uh, you start to, to uh, mature your sense of intuition and kind of sense of knowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it only can come when we uh, are, uh, are, have let go of, of trusting that little voice of the ego, that running stream of thoughts in the head, because that is not always leading us in the right direction. Uh-huh. And I would say that this opening up more to a trust and relationship with the universe uh, is, is a way of gaining a much richer understanding of our relationship and our understanding of all the features in our lives. And that includes things like illness and injury, the hardships, because in many ways those are there to guide us along a pathway of growth. And that has been a tremendous gift of my meditative experiences uh, and putting this all together. We talk about a lot of that in the book Living in a Mindful Universe. Mm -hmm. So do you believe that um, on both a a personal level and a collective level that we have support? Oh, I think we have tremendous support. I mean, one of the biggest gifts that my journey gave me was a tremendous trust uh, that the universe will take care of me, that, uh, you know, if I come at this with love in my heart and I can share love and kindness and compassion with my fellow beings, that the universe will give that back to me in an ever uh, kind of increasing fashion. But it really is one where we see ourselves as having an important role in the universe and uh, also seeing us all as, as connected. From my point of view, a modern definition of spirituality uh, and and I would urge, you know, in the book Living in a Mindful Universe, we argue that we are, that the modern science is proving to us that we're spiritual beings in a spiritual universe. When I use that word spiritual in that context, what it really means is that we're all connected, because one of the deepest aspects of modern consciousness studies is that we're really all sharing one mind. 
Uh, and a book that I would urge people to read if they're interested in that concept is by a friend of ours, Dr. Larry but Larry Dossey. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that Love book him. is called yeah. One Mind, and I highly recommend it. He's an identical twin, and, and scientists who study identical twins realize that telepathy is very common in twins. Sure. Probably 20% of identical twins have had powerful telepathic uh, experiences. Um, not that telepathy can't happen in all the rest of us, too, but... Sure. Uh, it's, it's a very strong feature of twins, and that's why he studied this notion of the one mind. Mm-hmm. And in that book, he, he paints a very beautiful picture of how the one mind, which is not just shared among humans, but among uh, animals and really a, 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 this universe, is uh, I think that's a tremendous lesson for us to realize. In fact, I would go so far as to say what near-death experiencers for thousands of years have come into touch with in that beautiful, loving oneness is that one mind, that God force. Mm-hmm. Now, Dr. Dossie does not go so far as to connect that one mind with the creative God of this universe, mm-hmm. but in um, a lot of our discussions, I will go that far because, you know, having been there in a near-death experience, to me, it just makes perfect sense. Um, I just want to share with our listeners to learn more, to get links to the, to the book, Go to ebenalexander.com, E-B-E-N-A-L-E-X-A-N-D-E-R.com. That's E-B-E-N-Alexander.com. Um, Eben, I'm so grateful. You were worth the wait. I'm grateful you joined us here today. Well, And the last thing I'd like to say is also on the ebenalexander.com website, there's a banner wiggling in your face when you get there, your 33-day journey into the heart of consciousness. I would urge everybody to do that. Click on that. It's a free email course, 33 days. You'll get all the big concepts from the book and from a lot of our talks and a growing community of more than 8,000 people around the world who have taken the course. So, Thanks so much, and thank you for joining us here today. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you'd like to empower yourself to step further into your vibration of change, please visit my website at christineupchurch.com where you can learn more about my insights, upcoming events, and private sessions.